Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Welcome to another episode of Grace Plus Boundaries, Healing Intergenerational Trauma with Erin Hartz. I'm Erin Hartz, and today I have a guest I'm really excited to talk to. Her name is Dr. Jen Towns, and she is a trauma therapist. She also is a social worker, professor, and a trauma survivor. She has worked in the social work field for over two decades, providing clinical treatment in a variety of settings and specializing in complex interpersonal trauma and relationships. She also teaches social work in higher education and owns a mental health private practice with her wife. Dr. Towns has been a member of many work groups that focus on social justice through education, therapy, and political action. So welcome, Dr. Jen Towns. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you here today. And I'm really glad we met on Instagram. That was really cool. So thanks for uh, reaching out. And I really enjoyed reading your Instagram. You can find Jen there. She's your.queer.therapist. She also has a new book out recently. So congratulations on your your book. Thank you so much. Will you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. It is called Our Deepest Roots, uh, Navigating Past Trauma to Build Healthier Queer Relationships. It focuses on a lot of things, but really primarily um, realizing that there wasn't a queer-based or queer-centric resource out there Mm -hmm. when talking about navigating trauma and and relationships, um, specifically related to um, romantic and interpersonal relationships. And so I developed one. So so that's been the, the kind of the the goal is to provide and allow for another option that's more queer centric, focused on this population, written for this population. It has a lot of really neat vignettes, a lot of through the queer lens um, ideas, just to to make it so centralized on that population and have that be not something they have to kind of carve out pieces from more mainstream literature and resources um, and provide them with a really neat option. Oh, I love that. That's so needed. I want to learn all about that. Um, yeah, I'm bisexual and, and I, you know, so I can really relate. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I really relate because I think a lot of queer people, because of coming out and feeling different, we have a lot of trauma just based on that alone. Yes. So yes. if you take that and then any other trauma that we had, mm-hmm. like there's a lot going on in relationships there. Yes, absolutely. More more often than not, there's a, there's a trauma story that it, you know is parallel to the coming out story, um, and because mm-hmm. of society and because of families of origin or because of generational trauma, and so often that that's so intertwined the coming out and the trauma. This book allows kind of the, the discussion of that and the exploration of that. 
Yeah. Okay. So a lot of your client clients are queer. Yes. Would you say all, all of them? Um, I'd say probably 80 to 85% of them. How has your therapy changed? Like, have do you feel like you kind of started out at one place um, providing therapy? And like, how has that changed over time? Yeah, great, great question. Um, yeah, when I got out of grad school, I just was, I worked for an agency where we took pretty much anyone and everyone. And we didn't really specialize in any anything necessarily. Um, we would see people with like anxiety disorders, uh, mood disorders, everything. You know, trauma was in there as well, of course, or PTSD was in there as well. And then I started to recognize how it was so difficult to get individuals that had a trauma history um, adequate care, you know, because a lot of times um, individuals will have a PTSD diagnosis or post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis, um, and we can, you know, throw some therapeutic modalities at them. um, But things like complex PTSD yeah. are not in our diagnostic manual. Yeah. Are not, it's not something that is really um, some individuals in the field, you know, don't embrace it as much, but mm-hmm. it has the relational component to it that just PTSD does it. And so I really want started like getting really interested in mm-hmm. diving deeper into how can I help individuals that have relational components that are connected to their PTSD. Um, And so my specialization kind of took me down this road of um, learning more about it, learning about more modalities related to that. Um, And then also, as I was searching for different resources, recognizing that there's not a lot of resources for queer individuals or members of the LGBTQIA population. Mm -hmm. And so um, just with the lack of lack of resource out there and the population that I serve just by life experience as well, lived experience and, and professional experience, we really needed something like that. So that's kind of how my therapeutic um, journey led me to where I am now. Yeah, we really do need something like that. Because I agree with you that like complex PTSD, which I think is something that I suffered from where there's, you know, not one humongous incident that caused this major thing, but it was a lot of small things over and over again, where Mm -hmm. when I left my marriage, which my ex, I found out later was emotionally abusive. I mean, I had so many symptoms of that. Mm -hmm. I like, I would get scared very easily at loud noises. I was just like, my heart rate would go up really fast at times. I get fearful, like seemingly about nothing and that kind of stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, I think that a lot of therapists that I worked with didn't really know what was going on there and how to heal it. And if you're, if I'm trying to be in a relationship with another person, that is not going to work when I'm mm-hmm. so activated all the time from mm-hmm. this stuff from my past. Yeah. Absolutely. So are you able to help people kind of regulate their nervous system or how mm-hmm. can you, yeah. What do you do to help people with that? Well, a lot of times I do something that's called an integrative approach. So it takes different ideas and theories and skills from a few different methodologies and kind of infuses them in a, a very aligned and comprehensive way. The work that I do and the work that my wife does, we do a lot of EMDR work, mm-hmm. which is eye movement sensitization and reprocessing. Um, we use internal family system skills and we use a lot of somatic skills as well. So we're, we're integrating the body, recognizing that trauma doesn't just happen in the brain, it happens in the body. 
And so we're involving the body in trauma treatment as well uh, while we're doing reprocessing. Mm, I like that. Trauma doesn't happen just in the brain. It happens in the body. I mean, I've heard people kind of say something like that, but that's a really good phrase. Like, yeah, trauma mm-hmm. doesn't just happen in the brain. It it gets stuck in our bodies and mm-hmm. trying to find a way to get that unstuck so we can act more, I don't know, natural and present in the present mm-hmm. moment. It's a hard, it's a hard process and it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, in your own life or with a client, have you seen someone who has made a lot of progress um, with mm-hmm. therapy? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Many, many individuals that I've worked with, you know, individuals that will come to me, um, or let's say because I do a lot of um, relationship work, a couple will come to me where um, one individual has a, a history of childhood trauma. Because of that, they have a lot, they are very quick to anger, or they're very suspicious of other people's intent, or they have just kind of these trauma responses um, based on, you know, protect your parts within themselves that are trying to make sure that everything's, that they're safe because historically they haven't been safe, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, anything that really hits on one of those negative thoughts about themselves or those those kind of trigger points for themselves, you might see a flare of anger that seems disproportionate, or you might see someone shutting down, or you might see someone disengaging and just kind of icing the other person out. And so in the work that we do, we really kind of start to identify that that's connected to to trauma, and then it's it's it, and figure out what's going on, why it's going on. Talk about attachment and different ways that we attach to each other, and how we can trust and build safety and security. Um, and so there's there's many couples that have come in, you know, with that kind of baseline, getting in the same fights over and over again, or having mm-hmm. the same trigger points or same arguments over and over again. And we really walk them through how. Um, how they can get more in tune with themselves and really nurture themselves so that they can be present and show up and, and be able to, to navigate a relationship that takes trust and takes intimacy and takes, you know, relying on another person um, and takes, you know, presence of self. Yeah. So then if you have a couple in front of you that one of them, maybe the trauma seems more acute and that person is really triggered a lot, would that person probably need to do some independent sessions of EMDR or something like that? Or are you able to kind of treat them at the same time? Um, That just depends on the person. It's kind of nuanced based on the situation. Um, I've done both. I've done both where I've helped the other person, the other partner to provide like a safe place and, and and have them be a point of safety for the person that's having a lot of that hypervigilance and that, that triggers or that acute yeah. um, expression. And so having the, the partner, as long as they're safe and trusted, you know, to have them just provide reassurance through voice, reassurance through touch, if that's safe for that person to receive and, and to, to understand that when that person's triggered, they're not able to have a, a big, meaningful, deep discussion about things. It's mm-hmm. just kind of we need to get them back in, in a regulated place, in a regulated space, grounded in the present. Because often when we're triggered, we're, we're triggered by something that's happened in the past. And so our body and brains feel like we're back in the past. And so we have to ground in the present moment. And so I've used the other partner, a supportive partner, to provide that reassurance um, in session. And, and we've developed you know that many times. If it gets to be where the other partner doesn't understand or the 
individual that's having a lot of the symptomology doesn't necessarily feel safe or trust that person because of just their own past stuff. Then we usually do some individual sessions just to, to make sure that that individual is, is feeling okay and moving forward in a way that feels good to them. That's really hopeful. I really like hearing that. I mean, it makes me happy just to hear that partners are working towards understanding each other and mm-hmm. being willing to accept their differences. We wrote the book because a lot of times, or I wrote the book because um, I say we, because my, my wife and I <laughs> have worked on this together um, mm-hmm. and had so many discussions about this all the time. Um, but I wrote the book primarily, the inspiration came from you know, my wife and I's relationship. She has a history of childhood trauma and I have a history of adult interpersonal trauma. And they kept butting up against each other, you know, and there were so many times where they would butt up against each other and her needs and my needs would would clash or mm-hmm. her triggers and my triggers would clash or she would she would be having a really difficult time or I would have been having a really difficult time. And we'd ask the question, like, what do we do? We don't know what to do. Like, how do I support my person? You know, mm-hmm. and so um wanted to provide some some guidance to that because a lot of people we worked with were having the same question of like how do I support my person or how do I convey what's going on inside of me to my spouse or my my partner who doesn't understand mm-hmm. um, and so that's really what the book came out of is providing this guidebook for both the individuals that have experienced trauma to be able to have the language to talk to their their partners about what's going on inside of them and how to ask for help. And also for the partners who are watching this happen with their um, with their spouse or their partner and not knowing how to intervene to, to provide mm-hmm. safety and stability and grounding. So um, that's really what the inspiration was with the book. I love that. Thanks for adding that on. Yeah, that makes sense. And it sounds like it's going to heal a lot of people to read that and help with that communication. There's this idea, you know, out there that I hear a lot and that I probably prescribe to even though I might not want to is that, you know, if things happen in my past and I'm aware of this trauma and I'm starting to heal my trauma, I might not be in a place to have a secure relationship with another person. But as I work on my trauma, you know, I can go out and or people can go out and and date again I'm never going to get to a place where I'm hundred percent healed and like, okay, now I'm ready to date. You know, like there has to be somewhere in the middle. And I, I think that's what I'm kind of working on navigating in right now for myself is like, yes, there is a place where I, I really did need to be alone for a while to kind of like learn my own skills, learn how to care for myself. Now that I'm kind of out of that, I'm not out of the woods because I still have like my relationship with my mom that I'm really trying to heal, but I've learned a lot of skills. So I feel like at some point a person could be a loving partner to another and then are ready for a relationship, but you just have to find a partner that is willing to work on things. Um, So what do you think about that? Like continuum of people like taking breaks from dating to heal. And then like, at what point, I mean, I know we can't control it. It just happens relationships to happen, but what do you think about that? Well, I think that, you know, yes, taking time away to heal your inner self and to recognize maybe what was happening in past relationships that you don't want to continue, Mm -hmm. maybe the fallout of past relationships and how that has impacted you and your feelings about yourself. Um, your feelings about what you deserve in a partner, what your boundaries are, and figuring all that out is going to be helpful. Entering into something new. Do you need to be completely healed, you know, and re- you know, recovered, or anything? 
No, absolutely not. Of course not. Because we're always healing and we're always recovering, yeah, right? It's always going to so, be a thing. Yeah, it's an ongoing process. So no, you don't have to be fully recovered or healed, but you do need to be recovered and healed enough to be able to select a partner that is going to be healing for you, that's going to embrace your healing and nurture your healing. Um, not someone that's going to kind of pull on all of that old stuff and send you backwards, but somebody that's really going to be a partner with you in your journey of healing. Yes. And uh, that, so we need, yeah, selecting a partner that is willing to like be healing mm-hmm. and be there for you. And um, I mean, it goes both ways too. I mean, both people are still giving in the relationship, even if one seems like they're more traumatized than the other, there's still a magnetism that they have of similarity in some way there. It's like getting to that point of being able to select a partner that is loving, though I think that's the place that maybe people need to go, um, not before they're dating, but just to be like really aware of that while they're dating. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, being aware of that while they're dating and recognizing like, these are the boundaries that I need to have for me, or these are, this is the qualities I need to have in a person. I've had people that have been toxic or problematic or, you know, played Mm -hmm. on all of my insecurities or hurt me in different ways. And I don't want that, you know, in this relationship. Mm -hmm. So what are some of my things that I have to have, you know, in relationship for me, for, for my healing and for myself? And selecting an individual who's really along for that ride and and not creating a power dynamic where one's more healed and one's less healed, but really a a partnership um, towards mutual healing. Yeah, partnership towards mutual healing. Totally. One question I have for you, which I feel like you might be a great person to answer this, Mm -hmm. is that um, since I'm bisexual and I I feel like I feel a little bit out like an outsider sometimes like mm-hmm. I'm not part of the LGBTQ you know even though the bees there yep. I feel a little bit outside and mm-hmm. I so and sometimes it's like do I mention that I'm bisexual do I not like I don't want anybody to fe- to feel inappropriate um but then it's like I should be able to mention things when they're you know you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you what do you think about that well, I think everyone's identity is personalized to themselves and how out they are, you know, to others is completely nuanced and personalized to, to yourself. I've heard that before of, and I'm bisexual as well. And, but I've heard that before of like, I don't feel like I'm straight enough to fit in, you know, with, yeah. with the heterosexual crowd or, or queer enough to fit in with the, the queer crowd. You know, is there a spectrum of sexuality related to like, are you queer enough or are you, you know, and, <laughs> um, and I, you know, <laughs> I ask myself that question sometimes because I'm, I'm tend to be relatively straight passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's a, it's a question of like constantly outing ourselves, right? Are we are every time I go to the doctor's office and I have to check me, I check married cause I'm married. Um, they ask me, what, what does your husband do? Mm-hmm. I have to decide, am I going to out myself? You know, am I going yeah. to say, well, it's actually my wife. Is this a safe space to do that? Is it okay? What's the reaction of the nurse going to be? You know? So, mm-hmm. um, so kind of asking yourself that question, you know, is this a good space to out myself? Do I feel like I need to? Do I feel like I want to? And I hate that we have to ask ourselves that question, right? Mm-hmm. Like that shouldn't be a thing that we have to ask. It should be a safe and assumed, you know, assumed safety, but it's it's not in this world. So I guess it's it's kind of just up to you of what feels safe and right. What part of your identity do you want to embrace, you know, and and how comfortable you are with that it just depends. Yeah. thanks I like that answer yeah it just depends how comfortable we feel in a space and 
yeah, just kind of trust in our intuition. Mm-hmm. So recently I changed my podcast from self-care for survivors of trauma to navigating intergenerational trauma. And mm-hmm. like I am, so I, I really think it's interesting the way, you know, the way I'm acting is based upon, you know, maybe my childhood and then the way my mom's acting is based on her childhood. I find mm-hmm. that really fascinating. And I also find fascinating that, you know, as I'm trying to heal and stuff, there's some parts of it that I can't do anything about. It's just what's passed down and I have to be able to accept that. Do you have any advice to share about the path of healing relationships with parents maybe and what impact that might have on relationships? A big question. <laughs> um, good question. But it's a big question. So advice on, on healing generational relationships, right? So maybe healing a parent-child relationship. A lot of that, it's it's kind of like rewriting the contracts with people sometimes. It's a, mm-hmm. when we're under 18, we have a, this dynamic that we have in our relationship with our parents mm-hmm. and good, bad, or indifferent, you know, it's this dynamic that we have. And so we, we get to make a decision as we grow and as we learn and as we understand more of what we need and what we want or what we deserve, what we should have had as kids to rewrite the contract that we have with our parents or with um, any loved ones or relatives and saying, these are not my boundaries. This is what I, you know, this is what I need in my life to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel loved, etc. This is what I, I, I'm not going to accept. And it's not necessarily dictating other people's behavior. You can't do this. It's if you choose to do that, then I'm going to leave. Or if you choose to do that, then I'm I'm going to disengage from this conversation. So really, it's not ever telling anyone what they can and can't do. It's mm-hmm. it's what you've decided to do with yourself and your body and your space. And so um, kind of rewriting that contract of expectations and boundaries is, is what I would say, you know, is the first mm-hmm. step to healing of um starting to have those conversations with your, Mm -hmm. your parents, with your loved ones, with your family. Um, And then that will trickle down into interpersonal romantic relationships as well, because you'll start to, you know, use boundaries and boundary language. You'll start to talk about expectations. You'll start to talk about what, um, what you need to feel safe and heard and loved and welcome and uh, nurtured in that relationship as well. And so, and, you know, those things just kind of, crossover between relationships once you start to establish boundaries and what you need um that's kind of interdimensional yeah great answer i love that it's so true because the more we practice and learn the language and things then we can use it in our other relationships and it it, it is healing to do that all right well so last thing here would you be able to just share a little bit of hope for recovery give us a little bit of inspiring hope if you can about our journey and should we keep on this journey? Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, don't give up. No, absolutely don't give up. There is hope. There is hope for healing. I can, I mean, I can give you an example and it's in, you know, the forward of my book is, is going to be reminiscent of this, but my wife and I used to diff, very difficult time communicating. There are times where we would disagree and she would get triggered and, and her primary go-to was, would be to leave, would be just to shut down and leave. Mm-hmm. And for me, leaving was hugely triggering because of my trauma we would get into these fights that were just cyclical and we kept repeating them over and over again where you know i would i would bring up something she would get defensive i'd get defensive she would go to leave i would try to 
tried to beg her to stay and it was really messy right and we were we were just it felt like we were two children kind of arguing with each other Mm -hmm. and not actually getting anywhere but we really started to dig into what was going on with us what was going on in our body what did we need to feel safe really looking at our attachment styles looking at um, how we can communicate when we feel ourselves getting triggered or getting, you know, our brains kind of going offline. And we don't fight like that anymore. You know, we, we have had the ability to navigate really hard things, you know, health issues, communication issues, like opening a business, writing a book, all these different things, kid issues. We still fight, of course. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. fights. Um, but we're so much more gentle with each other. Mm-hmm. And we're so much more gentle with ourselves. Because we used to also get so hard on ourselves of why did I act like that? Or why did I respond like that? Mm-hmm. And, and the just the compassion and the curiosity that we have towards each other and the gentleness that we have and holding space for each other um, it is reflective of, yes, there is hope. You can do this. Oh, that sounds so nice. I mean, it sounds like both of you are really willing to be curious, like I heard you mm-hmm. say, and learn how to communicate and yeah, just kind of keep moving towards that process of self-reflection and mm-hmm. probably repair when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you guys both would apologize or acknowledge the other person and That's wonderful. I love hearing about that. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And I'm definitely going to read your book. It sounds amazing. And I'll put it in the show notes for people to take a look at. And any other places where people can find you? We've got Instagram or just kind of shout out any other places if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram, Your Queer Therapist. Um, I also have a Facebook page of Dr. Jen Towns. Um, that one's just up and coming. I'm just, um, I have TikTok as well. Your queer mm-hmm. therapist on TikTok. Um, my website is uh, drjentowns.com. Um, and my book is available on Amazon. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Jen. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. 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 You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.com.